The Bears suck again. Oh, sorry. Is that the wrong way to go about this? I don't know. It, it's been a minute for you, it sounds like. So uh, I think it's I think it's not a bad way to go because were we supposed to be talking about them being terrible today? I, I thought when we got like six minutes into the fourth, this was like lock and key done. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I thought that too. There was a part of me though. I was trying not to be shocked either way. We were up, and I was like, oh, the way the game's going, we're going to win. They're going to win. Oh, my God, and, and blah, blah, blah. And then when the Lions scored again, I was like, nope, it's not going to happen. I called it. I was like, now you feel something different. But, yeah, Bears suck again. Sad, sadly, it is the case. Uh, 31-26 loss today in Detroit. Uh, again, reiterating that, and I, I'm going to kind of – missed the specification but it's roughly four minutes 20 seconds on the clock they had a 12 minute they had a 12 point lead going in uh ball in possession you name it couldn't secure the win sadly uh two quick touchdown drives it's funny because everyone you know the more you talk about it the more we compare it it's um comes up as almost like discussing the denver loss all over again oh it's People are instantly going and saying, you know, coaching ineptitude and soft to conservative play calling doom the Chicago Bears on Sunday. And I can't blame them because that kind of is what failed. You know, I mean, I mean, everyone's talking about that second to last drive where they run two run plays. It's an overthrow just barely to Tyler Scott. And then the next drive. Detroit just, sh- just decides to ram it down the Bears' throat. And then we get a safety off the first play of the final drive with Aiden Hutchinson getting a strip sack on Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, there's a weird bot on Twitch that I just don't <laughs> care enough about. Um, yeah, I... Well, I should say welcome back to everybody. It's been a hot second uh, since we've been on here and since I've been on here. Like I said, I forgot how to do intros. I forgot how to talk. I forgot how to do everything. Um, but this is the Bear Down segment of the Coach Steve Show. Yes, the Bears lose to the Lions. And I will say this, though. I want to be positive at first. I didn't think the Bears would even have a chance against the Lions, period, in any form or fashion of anything. You know, I figured I figured 14 points. You're you're just looking at it's hard not to score with DJ Moore. It's hard to not score with uh, garbage time. But how bad the Lions played, especially on offense with the turnovers. You know, I didn't think that was going to happen. So I'm watching it and I'm going, okay, this is what the Bears can actually be. You know, even though Jerry Goff did play bad up until the last four minutes and 20 seconds of the game. I was positive in that aspect of, okay, they're playing well, but, you know, Fields was coming off that injury. I was the guy sitting there saying, even I said play him, even though I like Tyson Bajant, you know, even though he made a lot of mistakes, I said, you got to play Fields. But I thought well, the Bears didn't look bad. They made some mistakes, but even the defense, they were rallying to things. They were flying around making tackles, and uh, I don't know what golf was looking at when he threw some of those passes, but we were right there to do it, and – but it was also a game of adjustments. They made more adjustments than we did, and they just stuck to their game plan. They 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 just stuck to it, and that's what kind of that's what the Lions are. They they don't care how they win, and they didn't panic every time Jared Goff threw a pick. It didn't bother him. So it, it but 
Bears did some good things, and I was shocked. I, I think I'm, I am most impressed by, I think, more the sense of urgency that has not been present for roughly a year and a half in many time, in many instances, uh, especially against good talent. I think that's the thing. Like, we've seen the story play over and over again in the Eberflus era uh, that they'll come out and, you know, maybe they played decently well in their last outing or, you know, at least better off in their last outing. And then they'll play an opponent that is a step above them on paper and easily on the field, and they'll just mm -hmm. get completely bushwhacked. And today, it really felt like they should have just walked out of here. I mean, I, look, I, I'm the thing that the stat line that I just don't understand how I don't understand how you lose with these two pieces is how do you have 40 minutes and 24 seconds of possession and four turnovers that you and get you against your opposing team and you somehow lose 40, 40 minutes. You, you possess the ball for two thirds of this contest and you still lost. And, it, and it, I mean, just think about that for a second. How does a team get 40 minutes possession and not win a game? Well, you have to try I mean, very that's hard the right game plan. It was the right game plan, physicality and keep away. They did it perfect for roughly <laughs> 55 minutes of game time. Yep. Yeah. I, you have to try very hard to lose a game when you get a team to turn the ball over that many times. You have to try very hard to lose the game. And that's why I sat there and I started. I almost fell back in love a little bit. I'm watching it and I'm like, uh, and then, then the line scored and I started to say, nope, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Some bats about to go down, and it did. But then I thought, maybe we come down and tie it. Well, then that flew out the window. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because there's a lot of repeating things here because we haven't been on here in a while is I am now on the boat of we need to reset everything. I avoided the whole – Firing everybody because as a coach, you don't like to see people get fired. Like um, Jimbo Fisher was fired at Texas A&M. And they, right. asked Nick, they asked Nick Saban about it. And Nick Saban said, no matter what happens, you do hate to see a coach get fired just because you know what type of work it goes in, good, bad, and different. And that's why I don't like that part. But if you're in the NFL, it's about results. You're now over halfway done with your second year. We look exactly the same. You know, there's no, there's some improvement, but there's not the things that the Bears are used to. And, you know, maybe it's time to move away from Eberflus. You know, seems like a nice guy. Maybe if he was just a defensive coordinator, maybe he would be a very good coach like he was at the Colts. Um, you know, we were texting earlier. I think we reset everything. It's got to be a uh, clear new. I think you keep polls. I think you have to keep polls. Um, yeah, I think at this point, at this point, you have to because firing a GM into a second year doesn't make sense. Um, you keep him, fire everybody else. I even think that you just kind of have to reset again, like we just did a couple years ago, and get rid of Fields at at the end of the day, or figure out a new quarterback. Because I'm not a Justin Fields person, obviously, but. 
I don't care anymore about the, well, look at the OCs he's had or the head coaches he's had or the players he had. Because look at C.J. Strout. Like, look what he's doing. He's, so that that's, that is someone I will say is the ultimate – it's the ultimate breaker of any conversation around – I guess in terms of everything needs to be absolutely perfect, otherwise nothing will work and you can't win. Because, I mean, no one expected Houston – to come out of the gate, be a six and four roster at this point in the season, and CJ Stroud is consistently throwing 300 yard games, and not only is easily the front runner in the rookie of the year conversation, he's in the MVP conversation in some circles. Do you know how insane that is? That is the ultimate breaker of that argument. It doesn't get talked about enough because no one in no major Bears fan accounts or media personalities want to bring it up because it's a complete anomaly to them. Yes. And to many other people. But that is how this works sometimes. You can't have a quarterback that elevates the entire roster in the situation or with the talent skill floor that he has. Aaron Rodgers did this for years as yes. part of his deal. It's it's rare. That's the only thing. That's what people won't talk about as much because it's a rare occurrence. It's not the norm. But I mean, Stroud is that example. Stroud's that example. I, you would have to correct me because you know more and my brain is shattered. Joe Burrow kind of had the weapons around him, but that offensive line was atrocious. And he didn't have like this amazing all-star looking of class people, but he was able to elevate around him of, I can move around in the pocket a little bit, not to take off and run, but I can extend the throw. I can get you the ball only where you can get it. And I'm going to elevate you. And I know this year has been a rough year, injuries, you know, those are unfortunate. To me, C.J. Stroud's another talk. Um, you look at that. Uh, Justin Herbert, like, I know this year's Herbert's rough. Herbert's another example. Exa yeah. And, I mean, that they came out right out of the rookie year. And now, Burrow, I'll admit, they, the Bengals were a complete train wreck. That one's a little more on the side of they needed to get someone else. And that's why Jamar Chase helped add that on, even though their line was still – horrendous in their Super Bowl run two years ago. Um, but that being said, like you can have a quarterback raise the skill floor of everyone around you. It's not impossible. You know, it just becomes complex because, you know, what is that skill around you? And then you had in the coaching elements. We don't know enough. We didn't know enough about Domingo Ryan's coming in. No, and the people in his talent pool either, which I mean, they've already shown that, yes, they're light years ahead of where Matt Eberflus is in two seasons with that staff. Right. Uh, and, and the other thing is, I think I've said this before, but I really mean it this time is I think I'm done with bears Twitter. Like it, it's gotten to the point and I tweeted it. I said, because of the bears Twitter and everything, it makes me not want to root for this team any longer. And so I joke about being a lions fan. It's like, I just turned 33 this year. Like I've been a bears fan mm -hmm. since birth. Not like you were given a bears football, not, nothing like that. But when you grow up, it's like, oh, in Illinois, you're a Bears fan, you're a Bulls fan, you're a right. Cubs or White Sox, you're whatever. It makes me not want to root for them anymore because of the I don't want to I don't even think idiotic take word is gonna work for this anymore. It's it's the someone got an argument with me and I was just doing it to stir the pot. I kept tweeting back at him saying, Oh, quit being sensitive. Because I, I tweeted at Carm. I just made a joke because okay. he, uh Fields kept sliding. And the defense was ending up on top of him. Oh, I see where this is going. But yeah. there was no flags called. Now, 
You want to know why there was no flags called? Because it wasn't egregious. He was sliding at the same time. They were just trying to jump over him, so there was no hit. Mm. So I said, hey, it's not bad. I said, they don't call that for running backs. Just trying to be a jerk. I'm just whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely going to get some people riled up. That's oh, no yeah. doubt. They, and I don't care. But the fact that like I said something about – I don't know. They said something about look at the receivers he has and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, look at what C.J. Stroud's doing. Like, and they responded back with, that's where the argument came in. Well, look how many OCs Fields has had or head coaches. And look See, at, I don't – And look at the pieces he has. And then this was the kicker. They said, well, at Houston, they're running a similar offense to what he was running at Ohio State. And I just stopped. I said, they are not running the same offense that they did at Ohio State. You want to know why? Because Fields ran the exact same offense because Ryan Day was the – Head coach, play caller. They are not running the same thing. I was going to say, I don't believe they are in no. Houston. No. I, unless unless someone has completely missed that point. But, no, I, I was going to say, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just that, you know, and even, look, we've talked, you and I have talked about this whole Ohio State quarterback thing. Stroud is the, at least in on paper right now, he's going to turn out to be, as long as he's healthy and nothing screwy goes on in his career, he's already looking like he's going to be the best Ohio State quarterback to ever come out of the school yes, in, in pro football. So yes. that's a rare anomaly in itself that you see a, a QB from that school come out. And there are talks about the, you know, don't look at the helmet colors and distinguish that to be a college QB to a pro QB. But, like, up until this past year, stats kind of don't lie, nor do the results lie. So I don't know. My, my thing with this whole conversation is, like, you know, the Twitter side of this, I, I also just kind of I, – I don't even know what to say anymore because there, there's no real – like this is the worst type of area you can be in as a Bears fan in terms of, well, we want to fire Matt Eberflus because we hated how this man has run this operation in two years and has run this publicly from a PR standpoint at the podium. But we also need wins because if we want Justin Fields to be good – and mm -hmm. keep him so we can have draft picks, then we have to win. But if we win, and this is because we don't trust the McCaskies, the McCaskies might just go, eh, he got six or seven wins. It's improvement. Let's keep him on the roster. And we have another year of Matt Eberflus and that staff behind the scenes running the show. And I just can't take that. There's no winning there. No. You, you can't pick a side on that. Because if you say you don't want him to win, well, no one's going to say that. You're a Bears fan. You want you want your team to win, but you don't want Matt Eberflus. No. But if you win consistently these next several games, you're stuck on the Eberflus train next year. Yeah. Like I I hate to say it, but like this loss helps uh, tremendously towards what should be an inevitable firing, considering you've had two of the same losses this year in having it in the bag, and your coaching has derailed a win in some way, shape, or form, like directly mm -hmm. in the same circumstances too so i hate being a bears fan with this this is the worst type of convo like i did this with matt Nagy towards the end you had people going well let's not let him go and then others be like well, let's let him go and then he'd get like a few wins and then you know we had that 2020 season where they got into the playoffs off of the luck of the draw they added the seventh seed that year uh -huh. in the uh -huh. wild card and everyone's like oh but he got a playoff berth so it doesn't matter you know and they gave him an extra year and then we had to stumble through an extra year of that you know, yep. I don't want to deal with that. Like, personally, if we could have my cake and eat it too, 
I'd win and have Matt Eberflus fired. But that's not how the NFL works. Right. If you get enough, just enough wins, you keep your job, especially in a second season. Right. And I don't know if this is how it's going to work. They could look at this game, even though they lost, and say, well, but look at the good things he was doing and the the players didn't execute and, and everything else. So, Well, he, he, even, he even said at the podium, apparently, that they didn't execute again. And you know how fans are if he doesn't take accountability right now, which he has not been doing much of these days. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the train of – I, like I said, I don't like firing people. I don't like that. But it may, in the NFL, you've got to show that there's baby steps forward. If there was, what, if they had like five or six wins right now and how they were winning, mm-hmm. he would. there would be no doubt like he's keeping his job. I, I mean, and he might be getting a pass because they're like, oh, look, you lost your defensive coordinator, and now you've got to call plays while being the head coach. Like maybe he's getting a pass on certain mm-hmm. things and – He's the decor. He's done this as his job for years. Like that's not even, I don't know. Like in in that type of role, you're you you're the way I act with it is if you're in that position as a head coach and you've been a coordinator and you have a coordinator under your under your wing, you should be able to step in and run that job, right? If you need to. So I don't give as much of a pass. Like that situation also is very weird. We haven't even gotten full clarity on what the hell happened there, and they probably won't ever reveal it until much later down the road, sometime. But oh, that's true. I forgot they never even told us. Yeah, I mean, they, they. I mean, the only thing we heard was there was a potential raid, but the raid didn't actually happen. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it, and it doesn't help that your national TV circuit wants Justin Fields to be good so bad that they're overlooking a lot of this and it's quick to blame and it's quick to this. Like this game, I thought Justin Fields played fine. The only thing I did not like was the design runs for him, as many as there were. I did not like that because now we're going back to last year and all I heard on TV was, look, this is exactly how they win. Design runs, design runs, design Mm -hmm. runs. And I'm like, cool, I understand that. But then we're going to get into last year where it's like the Atlanta Falcons game where he's grabbing his legs because he's running too much. He's getting hit too much. Um, you know, and, and I think that's just kind of the how the quarterback, he – I kind of just keep looking at the Lamar Jackson. Okay. If well, you call that's the, the best comparison, is it not? I mean, that's exactly what Lamar Jackson did, has done in the majority of his career is they'll make they'll put him in these are well at least uh pre this season of course under the under romaine but or greg roman you know but that's how it's been i mean that's exactly what offense they're running is they just did they're doing an rpo design run where they give him a little bit of extra choice on if he wants to pull it or how he maneuvers in the pocket and then they added bootlegs in most likely because they finally hit the uh hit themselves in the head and said, huh, Tyson Bajan's doing this good. I bet I bet Justin can do this well, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like, that was obvious, the first series. I'm like, oh, they're clearly just using the bootlegs from the last four games with Tyson and just saying, okay, Justin, you do this, but you're more mobile than Tyson. So even if it fails, you can just run. Right. You know? It, but And I was watching what the Lions were doing, even though the Lions basically, after Justin ran a few times, they just basically brought everybody down and they said, okay, if we're going to lose this game, Justin Fields has to pass the ball, and we have, and that's how we're going to lose. And 
it was working after a while after they scored and moved the ball. It started to work, but then what wasn't helping out the Lions was that just Jared Goff, you know, through the interceptions, then they had that kick return or that punt return uh, fumble. So what right. the what the Lions were doing on defense was actually kind of working. Now Justin did make a couple moves, and again, I can't stress this enough. He's super athletic. He can make people miss. He can do these things. Never denying that whatsoever. Never have. Never will. But you can't. We we could maybe win some games doing that, but you're not going to win playoff games. You're not going to. You know, Lamar Jackson hasn't won a playoff game yet. Like like this style will be flashy. It brings tickets in. It gets you attention. I don't know, me personally, I've heard less and less about Lamar Jackson the more this has gone on besides his contract extension. Like, it was this flash. Now it's gone. Justin Fields' flash is going to be gone soon. Then, And the only person that's able to uh, sustain is with the Chiefs, you know, Patrick Mahomes. But he's not this runner, 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 runner. He is always looking downfield to throw the football. Exactly. And so he's the only one that's kind of – done these things like look at Mike Vick like yeah he might want to playoff game a couple times and gotten there but like that was the first time you really really saw that well now you're seeing it everywhere now and Mike Vick could throw the football like it, none of this really makes sense to me besides the it's fun to watch sometimes he breaks away this big run cool awesome but if you noticed every time we've done that we've lost a game usually if we're relying on that part of the game we lose because the defense says okay we're okay with this I mean, and then I hate it when he makes a pass. Oh, look, you guys say he can't pass. And so the Tyler Scott one where he dropped it, I know he slowed down, but, like, I hate that because as a receiver, maybe he lost the football for a second. You know, he's double covered. He's trying to get off, and he's trying to find it. And I tweeted. I said, oh, I thought he could throw dimes. And then he overthrows somebody on the sideline. I go, wait, I thought Justin Fields could throw dimes. Like, I hate that because (laughs) I'm just being an ass. But I hate well, it. I know. I know what you're. I can tell. I mean, you, I know how you operate on X, is uh, or, or formerly known as Twitter. If I'm being official, oh, I keep saying Twitter. All, I don't care. I, I, it's still Twitter to me. You still have the Twitter logos because I wish it was still Twitter logos. I keep forgetting there. to change it. I'm too lazy. Yeah, it's fine. It's a better logo anyway. But my. But look, I. I think that's going to be continuing to be the conversation. Like, look, if you want me to be honest, I thought it was an overall good day. For, at least if we're talking overall yardage, it gets lost in whatever fields needs to be anymore. If if you if fans want him to just get yards, then that's fine. But again, you know, part of what led us to issues at least back in late 2021 or in part of 2022 was that you know you run him enough and he and yeah you can say he's a big boy, but like. Dude gets hit too much, and then he gets knocked out for several games. Then you have to go with a backup that you hope is good enough to win you games. Luckily, Bajent was just good enough, and opponents were just weak enough to where you can get wins last time. You know, but that's the cycle you have to deal with. But then you go, oh well, don't force him to be a pocket passer because you're wasting his athletic ability. And it's like that's not the point. You can, you know, a good quarterback can operate the pocket and then use his athleticism when it's efficient and smart you know that's that's the issue that i keep running into with this is like you know not everyone can be patrick mahomes but you can be like a russell wilson that's not every play you can be you know lamar jackson who has established that he is forcing being forced to go into the pocket more and more as he's gotten older again running quarterbacks eventually have to evolve their game Uh as the years go by cam newton destroyed 
his longevity in his career because of his running ability. And it's uh-huh. not that it wasn't bad. He was very athletic and he won a lot of football games, but that is not sustainable forever is no. the thing. You eventually do have to consistently be able to throw. And I will give credit to the offense of play calling at least the first three quarters because they did give him opportunities to roll out. They didn't want him in the pocket as much. They just said, screw it. You get out of the pocket and make an angle or make someone miss if you can't find someone and run. Just do what you did in 2022. You know, if the first read's not there and you, for some reason, can't distinguish the second read, just just bail. Just completely bail out and do your thing. And that's kind of what happened all day. Right. You know? Besides uh, the first two quarters where they ran majority RPO plays. Right. Because they the Lions were trying to figure that out. Then they figured that out. And then they started basically saying, Justin will just be athletic. We'll just keep burning clock with him and – you know, a few good run plays from Herbert or Roshan Johnson. Right. And I think it's just the inconsistency because I'm not – there are times – like the, the the touchdown to um, to Moore, he was in the pocket. It, 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 he didn't scramble. It was a He's, fantastic throw. Like that's exactly what people have been, wait, have been wanting to see more often is like, hey, look, this pocket was great. And he moves up, throws a dagger, like straight heater, right in the lap, you know. Mm-hmm. He's and just inconsistent. You can't have that every – you can't have all the time, but like it was, it was gorgeous. And the pocket, by the way, line did a really great job today. This is the best line the Bears have had. If you add Lucas Patrick in healthy and you don't have to go to Feeney, this is the best line combo they're going to have all year. Well, and they got to stick with this. Even with Bajent, and we haven't been able to hop on, and I haven't. I thought the offensive line has gotten better. Through, again, this is kind of like last year, where they start off really poorly. But then as the year went on, even um, Pro Football Focus ranked the Bears offensive line last year in the top half. Like, they were not. Yes, we did talk about this, that they eventually ended the season respectable. Yeah. And they're getting ha- completely lambasted throughout yeah. the first half of the year. And it's happening again. If you watch what they're doing, their run is better, and their pass protection is getting a lot better. It, it, it is. Now, is it going to be perfect every time? No, but it wasn't perfect for Jared Goff. It's not perfect for anybody. But they are getting better, and I'm actually seeing less and less offensive line blaming. There's a little bit of it, but it's less and less. So that's why how I, I can tell that even the Bears' Twitter is noticing that they are getting better. Now, they're blaming the offensive line for that fumble at the end, and I get mad about it. I'm like, the one time you're going to blame somebody is at the very end where you know Hutchinson punches the ball out, get, you know it goes to the back of the end zone. Look, even, even your best lineman is going to get beat once in a while. Darno Wright's had a great year, but – it's Aiden Hutchinson, man. Like he's eventually going to get some sort of of due during a game. Oh yeah, he is that impact player, and it just happened to be when everything fell apart and the momentum swung in Detroit's favor right at the end. Because the best player is going to make the biggest play at the right time, and Hutchinson for defense made the biggest play at the right time. It, mm-hmm. It's just going to happen, and so that's why this blame game comes into effect. And I would love to sit here and tell you I blame Justin Fields for the loss. I really don't because I thought he actually played well. It was more of looking longevity of the rest of the six games we have left, whatever it is. He won't make it. He won't survive. The only reason why he looked – I think the only reason why he looked good today running is because he had so much time off. Like he got to be refreshed a little bit is what I think is he did. He looked pretty quick. but Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not his legs that were the problem. It was that he couldn't throw – with any with any strength from the grip right looks fine he dinged it up a little bit it looks like or cut his middle finger it sounds like but that's fine i mean he's gonna be able to make all the throws right i mean he's asked to do it right it it just again it was 
I'd have to rewatch the game again. But there were times I thought he had a pocket and he decided to take off. And then people – see, this is what people do. Then they get really excited. Oh, my God, look at the play he just made because of the pocket. Or, oh, my God, look at what he just did because he broke a tackle and he got eight yards. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's fantastic. But take it from me who just coached 11 weeks of football with a quarterback that we try to keep in the pocket unless that happened. He would do the same thing. He And he would just take off at the beginning of the year when we put him in. He's younger, did the same thing. And then we finally got him to start stepping up in the pocket until you had nothing left. You know, and I think that's where Patrick Mahomes does a very good job is steps up in the pocket when it's when there's absolutely nothing there, then he tries to get out of bounds. That's the other thing. Fields doesn't want to get out of bounds. He just well, yeah. doesn't. I mean, that go. I'll give that attribution to uh, part of the toughness nature that he does have. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's something to consider. One thing I do want to revisit with this. Um, is there is this okay? Oh, actually, let's answer this question here for Brett. I'm a Lions cat, but I think Justin looked good. Is there any way he can get a better running game? I thought the running game looked fine. It's just the running backs are really banged up because Foreman hurt his ankle. Uh, Herbert's been unhealthy, so they've had to keep having to activate these guys. And it's weird because then the running back that you could have had was on the other side making plays. I know, I know. You hate to see Foreman going down because he's been. And this is where we go into the combo about how Bears fans now, or a lot of us fans have become the, uh, have become the GM savants, where it's like, uh, well, you only, we only paid $2 million for him. Freaking killer of a deal, but killer of a deal. But I'll, I'll admit, like, would have been a great day to have had, you know, our, the guy I miss, I still think they should have paid Montgomery. I, I will always hold that, but that is just me. Um, the run game wise, I don't know because I don't. I think today was more just that. Really, the Lions eventually decided, okay, well, the only way you're going to beat us in the run is if Justin Fields does some shimmy shaking, and finds an alley. Which, if you look at the stat line, that is kind of the only way the Bears really did get a run game that was consistently at a, a above par level. Which I consider above par being above four yards a carry mm-hmm. was either. A few carries went to Roshan Johnson or to Khalil Herbert. Actually, no, Roshan Johnson had a few solid carries. Uh-huh. Otherwise, Khalil Herbert, 16 carries, but only two yards a carry. And then the only other one that really was worth the damn on the stat sheet was just, was Justin Fields. But keep in mind, Fields just comes on a lot of improvisational stuff or an RPO. So it's a little more all over the place. You don't Defenses don't usually predict for that type of run. So no, I, mean- I don't know. Honestly, Detroit's got great offensive and defensive lines anyway. That's one thing that Dan Campbell and that front office in Detroit has done an excellent job is they built very well in both those regards. Something Chicago still needs a little help on on the uh-huh. defensive side. But, you know, I would say that's a strength. And, you know, Chicago's got a good run game. That's not really a problem for them. It's just that they can morph it a little differently and it gets kind of skewed a little differently when you got fields who can just kind of – choose when he pleases to uh, play his way and just bail out of the pocket. Right. Um, I just really think, you know, this guy said, he goes, I wasn't talking about Justin. He shouldn't have to. No, I don't think he should have to, but everybody in your Alliance fan, everybody in the Bears land and then the Fox Sports and ESPNs think that he should run every single play because that's what he does. And he has this amazing arm that's better than Brett Favre's and all this other stuff. They just created this mold. I think when Justin Fields is in, 
I mean, some of the runs were our zone reads, so he had to pull the ball and run. So that takes away Correct. from running backs. But that running back room is really banged up. Herbert did not look like himself. 16 carries, no, two points. He didn't look fast. He looked like he couldn't accelerate. They've had a decent run game. I thought Foreman, he's been on my fantasy team too. He's been fantastic, you know, running really hard. I thought Roshan Johnson runs really hard. Foreman really could start anywhere in the NFL. He's had opportunities at several stops before Chicago where I'm still wondering how he hasn't gotten more reps, period, and how he was a healthy scratch at the beginning of the year. Right. Because he is a starting caliber running mm -hmm. back in my yep. eyes. So. I just think they really wanted Herbert to be the guy, you know, and that's what they were looking at, but he's banged up. So maybe he's not, you know, I mean, I know Montgomery got banged up too, but I don't think Foreman might be your every down back. He is literally that guy that's a speed guy and slide up in the slide, get the ball. And I've said that a lot. Foreman is that power run. So you almost have a Montgomery-Herbert situation all over again where it's like, okay, you have this run power guy, but you have this speedy guy that could be on the outside. But that running back room is really banged up. And then, I don't know, when Justin Fields is in the game, they're going to call some runs for him. So it takes away from the running backs. And just it just the whole play call changes. When Tyson Bajan's in the game, you're going to call everything for the running backs. Pretty much. When, when Justin Fields is in, you – they had so those those designed uh, outside zone runs. They're going to have inside zone runs where he can pull the ball and go and, you know, all that stuff. And, yeah, some of those carries are predicated towards um, him just running out of the pocket. But, but outside of that, I thought the offensive line, you know, they're, they're run blocking well, I think, when it's called the right way and they're doing I, – I, they're fine. Run game, fine. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is one of their – this is arguably one of their best performances all year in terms of uh, – I think just holding their own against quality talent. Really, if you're talking just in terms of the pass game, when it was passes set up and you know given time, I, mean, I was really impressed by a lot of the play and just giving a pocket that was a, lot, a nice buffer. Uh -huh. You know, I, it really was a great job. Wasn't actually even talked about enough on the broadcast. Funny enough, they, I saw, I think I saw you discuss or put it up on X. It's like, man, we're just talking all about the QB and not about the line. And I was like, yeah, it's a good point because Braxton Jones, right. Nate Davis coming back and being healthy, you know, jo you know, obviously Tevin Jenkins and then Patrick or Feeney, although Feeney with the snaps or the snap count, but like that five, you know, that's a really damn good performance. They gave up mm -hmm. one sack before they had to get in their last drive. And then the only sack we given up was an all pro was a pushing to be, or, you know, definitely pro bowl talent that you know had an excellent bull rush and just creamed justin fields yep he, he had made... two sacks today that's it that's a that's a win by my book against yeah. a defensive front like detroit is yes yes and what people have to realize play calling it's so hard on an oc when half your play calling changes a little bit per quarterback you know with justin fields you have to call it a certain way with tyson bajan you have to call it a certain way half I would say probably half like half the play calling is going to be the same the other half is going to be different and that's a lot of pressure on Getsy. I know people don't want to defend him in any stretch but we I've, I've done it one season for high school football we had five guys play quarterback so you can imagine like the type of offensive things you have to gear towards when you get different guys so I mean but again Everything looked fine up until that four minutes, and then it was the defense and offense that collapses, you know, and, and people can go after the play calling of Luke Getze. Yeah, 
that's a tough situation to be in because, what, it's three minutes left or two, something left. You're in a weird spot because you're like, okay, if I throw the ball, what if it's intercepted? And then if we incomplete it, well, you're giving them a free timeout is what you're thinking. And so not necessarily the fact that they were running the football is the problem. I think it's the play call of the run that people are mad that he's running the ball altogether. They say it seemed very conservative. I wouldn't say it was conservative. I just think the formation of what, how they were, they should have gotten heavy and just try to run and see if they could. That's what I think. But yeah, the people complain about him running the football. I'm like, you got to think for a second. They have three timeouts, still the two minute warning. You throw the ball and it gets intercepted. Everybody's fired right then and there. But then if you incomplete it, then the clock stops and you're going, well, you're just giving them free time. And then they get mad. So there's never a win. You're not being aggressive enough. Or what kind of play call is this? And I'm like, I understand you. I think it's just going spread inside zone. Or or the biggest one is, well, give it to Justin Fields and have him make a play. Do you not think the entire Lions defense knows that he could have ran the ball and he wasn't having much success in the second half with it because they were stacking the box? Mm-hmm. That's what I get mad about. Is the, That's where the Bears Twitter comes in. I go, just stop. stop. Oh, I, I know. I know. I my my thing was uh when we're talking back on the final few uh kind of the final few drives uh between between really that four and a half minute mark till the end uh my point goes back to you know the offense did its job in getting down the field and having an eight minute and 45 second drive it yeah they didn't score a touchdown but they got a field goal so you're up 12 points mm-hmm. you know that you're forcing two touchdowns on the board at that point. So it's doing its job. And look, if we're going to go based on how the day had gone, yes, offenses can change in the last two minutes. I get that. And the last few series, you can get more aggressive, but Chicago had been doing everything right. You're rattling Jared Goff. You actually saw probably, I think this is one of the few times in like the last two years, I've seen Jared Goff somewhat revert back to his LA days where he would just completely get rattled by anything nearby him. I mean, I remember, I mean, Jesus, remember 2018 Chicago against Chicago. That was like one of the defining Jared Goff games in that era was, you know, Oh, he can't handle pressure in his face. I forgot. And then, you know, and we looked for three, for about four, three and a half quarters. It looked like that was the same Jared Goff the bears had played prior until, well, they decided Ben Johnson and them to turn up the heat. And, you know, they got a little ballsy, I'll admit. Some of the throws that Goff made, those final two offensive possessions, those are some ballsy throws, like tight windows. You know, all of them were the 10, 15-yard range. And Amon Ross St. Brown ate in Mm. that remaining Mm. portion. Yes, he he did. Dude was mauling that secondary. And I know a lot of people have been talking up some of those secondary pieces that they've made that full turn. Um I don't know. Jalen Johnson had an iffy day, had a, I would say a 50, 50 day. People were knocking him for the pick six. That wasn't. Um, and that one, you know, on scoreboard, it certainly bites. Um, I still continue to be very on the fence about Kyler Gordon and this game did not help me at all on that. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, probably his best game as a rookie. If we're talking impact plays. So there's that. And then, Safeties or safeties. I mean, Brisker had a few hard hits. He had that one hit that I don't know how on Goff's first interception wasn't called illegal contact, but uh-huh. 
surprisingly got away with that. But, you know, beyond that, I mean, eh, like it, it fell apart in the end. Like that's the thing. You know, eventually the Lions basically said, screw it, just go all aggressive, and Goff just clutched it. And I mean, like, Pro Bowl, all pro style clutched it yep. on the Chicago Bears. I think this just shows that the Bears maybe aren't as far off as we all think they are. But It felt like today they definitely took – it was it's closer. It felt closer. Right. But you got to finish the deal. Right. Finish the deal. Right. And, again, it goes back to the freaking blame game. I'm not blaming Fields. I'm not blaming the O line. I'm not blaming the defense. I am blaming coaches and the players because I'm sick and tired. Uh, I know coaching is a big deal. Maybe I'm wrong. I need to talk to an NFL person or an NFL player. I feel like coaching is important in the NFL, but it's also you're dealing with pros that are out there and they should be able to know a lot. You know, like like Brian Urlacher was your coach on the field. Brian Urlacher could probably call the defense while he was out there if that makes sense, you know, that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, he probably could. Um, but the coaches are not the ones having the emotions flow, so they can help kind of keep you narrow-minded. College football coaching is everything. High school coaching is everything. I blame the entire team. I'm going to blame those pros for not making plays. I'm going to blame the coaches for maybe not being as aggressive. I'm going to blame a lot of people. I agree for once. People that are blaming Justin Fields for the loss, I do not blame him for the loss. You know, like, I, I'm not no, going to do today. that. Not today. Not today. No, no, no. I should probably clip that and put that on there. I am not blaming Fields for this <laughs> loss. I, I'm just blaming the whole team. And as a Bears fan, we talk about this at work sometimes. The Bears live off of their name and the past way too much. And I've done it here, like, what do we think about when we think about the Bears? We think about hard ho- hard nose hitting players, defense, and hard nose running. And what do we think about? We think about the 85 Bears. We think about the Brian Urlachers where the, the, they're just going to squeak by. The Bears live off of that because they make money. They still make money when they suck. They're making lots of money now because the Bears are one of those franchises. They really don't live off of, well, we got to get to this new age look of stuff and try to move forward and think about that stuff like the Lions. Look at the Lions. They they mm-hmm. lived off the fact that they sucked in the past. Well, now they don't want to do that no more. Dan Campbell does not want to do that. The GM does not want to do that. They have to look forward. And that's only positive about Kevin Warren and the new stadium is they want to look towards that. But part of it's the McCaskies. They're going to live off of that because they make money. They don't care as long as they make money. They could lose. Other NFL teams, if they lose, they don't make as much money because they're not the big-time brand. And so that's what kind of sucks about this whole thing is, like, the Lions made money off their brand, and then after a while you go 0-16, and you go, well, wait a minute, we're not the same. we got to look forward, and it's taken a long time, but they're finally hopefully – I love it. I love Dan Campbell. I love what they're doing up there. I love the GM watching how he handles things. Biting kneecaps, dude. I mean, it's a it's a vibe, at least in terms of, like, the energy the guy brings. Not to mention he, like, you know he truly loves what he's doing. I don't, I don't remember what week it was. In, he had an interview for one of the networks and, like, was almost brought to tears just being like, dude, I love, what, I love the life I'm living right now, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he loves doing his job. To that point where it's like every day he lives and breathes that position and wants to be in that spot yep. in Detroit. Yep. And I, I used to kind of make the debate 
to myself or people of, look, they gave Dan Campbell time. So with the Bears, they need some time. But at least with the Lions, there was a feel, even though we're not there in person, watch on TV, there was a feel and a tell of they're going to stick with it and something's going to happen. With the Bears, you don't feel that way all the time. So that's why I'm finally kind of on board with it's time to find somebody new, even though we're only a year and a half in. And I believe in giving coaches even like three to four years. Like, I do believe that. That's fine. But in turn, kind of like Justin Fields in a quarterback spot, if you're going to give them three to four years, there has to be something there that is baby steps forward or some sort of consistency somewhere all the time. The Bears have been this roller coaster. It's boom, then it goes up just a little bit. Not too high, but then it goes way down, and we can't yes. have that. You just can't have that in the NFL. There's not enough time. You know, and I I don't know. And that's kind of where the Bears sit right now, and we just need somebody new to come in. And the whole, well, you have a play caller that's never really called plays and blah, blah. People do that all the time in the NFL. I'm tired of that excuse, too. Like, oh, this guy's calling plays for the first time and does well. Or this guy's never been a head coach, and look what he's doing. Look at the Eagles. Like, look at this guy. Like, he's never been a head coach, but look what they're doing. So I hate that excuse, but it is kind of time to maybe pull the plug. Like, I think uh, my, yeah, it's got to happen you, now. It, it really, I, I, I don't think this is – I don't think I've ever seen it be as loud about – firing a coach midseason since I've been a Bears fan or at least have had fan reaction to talk about, you know, social media areas era makes it a little different, but this really feels like it is the loudest it's been to say, look, ownership McCaskey family. I know historically you don't let these guys get terminated midseason and you don't just let them, you know, get completely crushed by the media. Mm-hmm. You wait till Black Monday like every everybody else does. But it doesn't hurt to send a message if it's been that bad. And it really kind of has. I don't like firing coaches two years in. I, I don't prefer it because I agree. You usually, usually you give them three years, you let them and the GM build up. If it's a complete farce, you reset and you get the best out of year three. Unless it's just a complete and utter mitigated disaster, which it, it has continued... To be that, again, you can give a, a a complete mulligan in your first year. It doesn't matter on the results unless you unless you have a scandal or you were going to have an ownership that scapegoats a coach like a Steve Wilkes or like a – I'm forgetting who was in Houston just a few years ago. Um, no, or, love, well, I guess Lovey Smith would count in this regard too. But, like, you know, back in Houston. But, again, you're able to do that if it's like – one year and you have the expectation, oh, we're just doing a rental so we can figure this out or something like that. Right. But Iberflus was brought in as a guy that was like, oh, look, he's a defensive prodigy, which he was. Indianapolis defensively was regarded as one of the top places to go in the NFL and was killing people in yes. terms of that side of the ball year after year. So he comes in, you have the hits principle. But what has not been living up to the hype is, you know, offensively they have not been able to get something steady. Uh, there have been questionable coaching decisions in terms of time management. Time, I would say time management, aggressiveness in terms of the style of coaching and the situations involved in games. And not to mention for this year, just complete utter buffoonery when you're at the PR at the PR stand 
during press conferences this year. And that's really starting to show its ugly head is that he does not, he does not take much accountability for himself when he's asked about when he's given softballs essentially to take accountability, uh-huh. they've always seemed to lean on the players first. Coaches don't really get the flack. And it either comes to that or it comes to, he says some ridiculous thing about trying to balance like how the Chicago media is going to handle something like the two weeks ago, Justin Fields about him possibly playing on Thursday night football. And then they're, they're going, well, he's doubtful. Well, he's 51. He's, he's like 51% or something like that. Well, he may, he's, he's out like what's up with that. Right. It's just a bunch of stuff. Then you're six and 22. You haven't shown any competitiveness against winning football teams. You haven't beat a winning football team in terms of record in your entire tenure. And then you add on this year, again, the two completely embarrassing double digit lead blown losses to opponents. And it's just inexcusable at some point, you know, I, I see what I, you and I see what we see and you just got to pull the trigger and mm-hmm. let the guy go out to pasture. That's it. Yep, you know? it's, he'll but find a job. Might as well send a message at the time. Cause now it's, again, this is twice. It's happened in a year. You still have six weeks left in the season. You might as well just get started on the search and see what you got on roster while you're at it. You know, it's still eval period. Anyway, Justin Fields is going to be under that eval period. The roster, from the most part, from what it sounds like, is going to get locked in, no matter what. I just I don't get it. That's the thing, you know. And they also still have a ton of cap next year. So even if you fire early and you're worried about firing a guy, you your new coach comes in, you're probably going to retain the majority of the roster there anyway, and you're going to have plenty of money and cap space and picks responsible for whoever jumps in to make their vision or mold it to create the best vision of what was once here and what is now coming in sooner rather than later. Wouldn't be bad. I I think this is the perfect time. It is the perfect time to do it. You were not to mention he's never beaten any divisional opponents in (laughs) close to two years prior. Ryan Poles is getting, has gotten flack recently for remember saying his comments, we coming for the North. And we're never they haven't done jack against the <laughs> NFC North. We're going to take the North and never give it back, is what yep, he said. It hasn't happened at all. You're Green right. Bay still owns us. They're four and six, and people in our fan base laugh at them, but they still beat us and still look better than us. They beat the Chargers today, by the way. They did. They sure we got, did. We got shellacked. Although, credit, that was with Tyson, so I will give an asterisk there. But nonetheless. Yeah, there's no harm. Like, like I said, I was not on board until – about a week ago, I started to think about it, and I said, you know what? He'll find a job. I'm not worried about that. It's a recycled business. It, it's well, time. He'll be a coordinator again. He's going to be a coordinator again. He'll be like, a coordinator again. And like, to me, he'll be like the Josh McDaniels of defensive coordinators. And I look at Fangio like as in, part two. Like in basketball, when you get a technical, it's supposed to fire up your team. Maybe if you make the move – and um, I always forget his name. I'm so sorry. Their special teams coach is fantastic. Um, and I always forget his name, and it feels so bad. He would be the perfect candidate for the head coaching job or the interim because when he's at the podium, he speaks well. Um, the special teams actually isn't too bad besides, you know, dropping a couple things, but they've been better. Because that, that's the thing is I think people are saying if they fire Matt Eberflus and then Luke Getzey becomes the head coach and they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, just just let the special teams guy do it. 
they seem to do pretty well. Special teams guys are like the perfect interim head coaches of all time. Rick Rick Pisaki for crying out loud. They yeah. they still they they said actually a few uh, members had said actually immediately after John, Josh McDaniels was fired that that uh, Mark Davis has been either quoted or has been uh, summarized to say that one of the biggest mistakes he made recently was letting Basakia leave the building as not getting the head coaching position. No shit. Even though even I said hire the man. Oh, I've been mad since. McDaniel's was one of, McDaniel's was so obvious that it was going to be a miss. And you had the right guy that the entire locker room was behind. He had gotten them to a playoff berth after a tumultuous year. That's a guy you hire. Uh-huh. You know? Now he's currently at Green Bay. I don't know if he wants to coach anymore. And I don't know how that would work, you know, but I that being said, him. I'm not saying he's a candidate. I'm just telling you, like, sometimes it's not bad to get the interim in and see what someone can bring in for a spark. You know? Right. They're not they're not always going to stick around, but, like, might as well try something. You know, it doesn't always hurt. It's not always the X's and O's coach either. If it's a guy that comes in and just can rally everybody and get them to play hard and he's good at figuring out of – who to hire and all that stuff. That's the guy you got to go with. I, I, Cause the bears go so extreme. It's like politics. They go so extreme with presidents and everything else. The bears always go extreme. It's either this guy that is a pure offensive guy and doesn't know anything else, or it's a pure defensive guy that doesn't know anything else. And everything's on the back. The only way, the only time that ever worked was lovey Smith. That's the only time it worked. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I said they should have hired Doug Peterson because he seems like the perfect guy. He knows offense and everything, but like he has shown success. He's shown success with the Jaguars right now. I wish on everything they should have hired him because he would have been able to coach. I, I'm not again Fields, whatever. He could have coached that up. He could have coached Dyson Bajan up, like things like. I'm still utterly pissed, and people can say what they want about Josh McDaniel about why they didn't even interview him. Are you shocked because it's the McCaskies? I'm not shocked they didn't interview him. No, I'm not either. I mean, all the offensive pieces they passed up anyway. I mean, in recent hirings, too. I mean, remember Bruce Arians used to be an option that was once available for oh, Chicago. Oh, God, yes. And that was a complete whiff in its own right. You know, we're talking, I mean, I'm ta- I mean, just this last cycle, and I know he's not the most popular right now, but credit, if I was in New York with the Giants, I also would feel like it's a complete mitigated disaster because of how that roster got set up. Because Brian Dayball, I still wish would have been Chicago's choice. Because he's a hard, he is a hard ass yes. that doesn't give a crap about your standing on the roster in terms of mo- monetary gain. We saw that last year, and he's a great offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. All you would need is a decent defensive coordinator to back in your corner, and it would have and it could work. And I think you could even argue if we're talking athletic ability, Justin Fields. I think you can get more out of than you he got out of Daniel Jones last season. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so that's another one of those that, like, yeah, sure, he he's three and eight as a coach too, but I think he had more toys to play with in Chicago if Chicago would have let him play there and do what he wanted to do. Right. Is all I'm saying. But that has not happened. Right. Uh, but I mean, it's it's clear to I think most people it's time, it's just time to reset. And I don't know what to say in terms of the search because last time they tried the independent search again. And they went with the defensive-minded guy that was the more stable choice, wasn't flashy in Eberflus, and it has shown to not be flashy, so I don't know what the choice is. The McCaskies aren't football people like George was with Hallis. 
they don't know really how to evaluate. They just let someone else do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, maybe Belichick will come in. It's rumored he's going to go be somewhere. Maybe he'll come over. Yeah, I wonder how that would go. I mean, because that's the talk is even if he gets let go, that people still believe he would easily he would become like a Mike McCarthy. He would just get picked up like within the year and go somewhere else because I don't see him retiring yet. He hasn't shown any sign that he no. wants to be done with the sport. No. So there's that. Thing is, though, and this is what everyone brings up, how does it work if you hire him and you have you have a GM? Because he's always been the GM. So That's true. So that do wouldn't you, work. Does he accept Ryan Poles being the GM? That's true. Yeah, I, I, I can't even go down the path of – who well, they I mean, would yeah, hire like, right now. It's still true. Like Ben Johnson's out there. Everyone like Bears fandoms talked about Jim Harbaugh, which honestly that I, seems more real than ever given the circumstances. I'm okay with that you know? hire at this point. I know Stable it's, has been an NFL coach. Yes. He might be a hard ass with the GM, but if you can put up with him, he does know how to get results out of your players. Yes. Um but this is that's the other thing. Ben you know, the OC for the Lions. You just complained about having first-time head coach and everything. You're going to do it again? Well, that's the risk you take, you know, because Ben's never been in that position. So, you know. That's what I don't understand about Bears Twitter is that they want something like that. Oh, you want them to do that again? I, I, I think he would be okay because he'd probably call the plays and everything else, and that's fine. You want to do that again? I'd rather go get Jim Harbaugh, who – has had success with a mobile type quarterback with the 49ers. He played mm -hmm. for the Bears. Now it's going to be flashy. It's only going to be three or four years, but you hope within those three to four years, maybe five years at the most, because Jim Harbaugh is also known for pushing buttons and making well, people that, mad. That's the and, thing. I mean, look at what he's done. Look at Michigan now. Now you got, I'm not saying it's going to be a cheating scandal, but Guy does kind of get his way. He is an imposing force. You know, he's not going to back down to people so i don't know how that again i don't know how that works it'd be the perfect time for him to leave though with him having yes. all the stuff to deal with right now in michigan yeah it's rumored he's you gonna know, get suspended I, next year too yeah because i mean could do that is all but i don't i don't know like the gm's the gm situation with chicago would be the thing is like do you do you have an understanding in place when he if he were to come in that you let Ryan do his job and that Jim will put insight in, but he's not going to be basically like trying to overstep his boundaries. Like he apparently did in San Francisco is what keeps being talked about. Right. Well, so, cause you, I, I don't, I don't see the McCaskies being like the York, like York where they're going to just bounce him out of town because, Oh, look, I'm a, I'm an angry owner. I'm going to just be done with you. I don't see that, but you know, you don't want to push that. You don't want to try that. Right. But then you also, I, I was thinking about this too, relationship between Harbaugh and Warren, because Warren was the Big Ten commissioner. Oh, Harbaugh too. Oh, God. <laughs> coaching at Michigan. Well, that could be good or bad. It could be bad because of what, maybe there's stuff going on before that you don't know. Now maybe. Or maybe just because they had a relationship before. Who knows? It just it depends. I, I don't think it was that good because – I got mad at Kevin Warren for the Ohio State COVID stuff, allowing Ohio State to play in the Big Ten Championship when they've only played like two games. Like, it was ridiculous. And You know what I think would happen in that case if Harbaugh were to join Chicago is I could easily see him 
essentially what the Bears are doing now with Justin, like this week, I could see them easily do him doing that, but trying to more push the pass first, run uh-huh. second abilities. Because uh, we all remember, and I know, hey, guy's name's a little different these days than it was back in 2012, but that's what he did with Colin Kaepernick to a T. Colin Kaepernick made his money off of his legs, but he's had a cannon of an arm. And they would mount, they would use that to full effect. I could totally see him revamping that again, take what he got from college and doing a ground and pound and doing something like this, but maybe they're a little more explosive and Harbaugh is definitely more aggressive. So they would be more aggressive mm-hmm. in certain situations, you know, he would defensively, you can trust that he would probably find a guy to easily fill that spot. He found him in Michigan. He's got, a, he knows how to do it. He did it in San Francisco too. He knows to get good defense on the other side. Right. I, I, he would bring the double tight extra lineman tight end stuff that I wish they would have used today when they ran the football. That's what Jim yeah. Harbaugh would bring. I think he would be a better offensive mind than all of them. He's not going to call the plays, but he has big input on it. I'm all for that hire. Uh, and it just keeps looking like more and more that it could happen for sure. What does this say? If your team needs first pick in the draft, get Ibraflus. Yeah, that's true. You know, we're about to get the first round pick. And at this point, I don't want Caleb Williams anymore. The more I keep watching him, I'm like, uh, maybe Michael Penix. Uh, I say he is, uh, I don't know what's up with Caleb. He's not done himself help at all. Like all the stuff for like draft eval, he has like hurt himself every single time. If you're talking like he has good playability, but he scrambles too much. Now he's not going to pressers right now, which is like, extremely strange if you're getting evaluated as a personality and draftability for that sake yeah so it's all bad. i love Penix's touch on the football by the way bo Nix is growing on me like these veteran type of quarterbacks that have had several years and they just have developed their game more mm-hmm. like there is data to support that that is an option that's becoming a growing choice yep with nfl coaches so like i don't think nick should be discounted i don't think Penix should be discounted his injury history is iffy but his touch and pocket awareness is fantastic. Um, even Jaden Daniels has been getting like a lot of energy late. I don't mind looking at him if you want like an energizer bunny that maybe you, if you wanted to reset, but see if he has better, you know, arm and passing ability in the pocket than fields. If that was to come to that, I don't know if it will right, right. now. It's not trending that way, but you know, I'm the guy that thinks they should at least draft a quarterback mid rounds if they keep Justin just to say, Hey, we're going to have a legitimate pressure on you this camp, no matter who's here mm-hmm. so that we do have an insurance policy. Cause this is a deep draft. Like you should not leave this draft without grabbing one of the like six quarterbacks that keep getting mentioned in yes. draft circles. Like even if you can't get mayor Williams, you got JJ McCarthy, Nick's Penix, and Daniels. That'll all be well and readily available within the first three rounds. Right. Right. Uh, the Lions are smoking mirrors. They'll get booed in the first round. I don't know. The You know, I, I guess to slowly end it is the Lions didn't give up. And uh, if you watch the end of the end in the locker room with Dan Campbell, he said that. He was like, hey, we didn't flinch. Like, we just kept battling and battling. We needed to do this. We needed to do this. The Bears didn't do them any favors. But, like, the fact that they had to make plays when they had to make plays, that's how they've won games all year most of the time. If they're not right. blowing I mean, people out, that's just how they win. 
I mean, look, they did a clinic last week where they had to basically go score for score with the Chargers. There was no defense in that game. And they said, all right, Jared Goff, uh, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, go and do your thing. This week it was more of a, oh, crap, we got shaken and rattled by an opponent that very much was saying we're going to be more physical than you. And as the game went on, they basically stuck it out and then just said, all right, two massive sucker, two massive knockout blows, and then mm-hmm. we take back control. I like Detroit is growing on me more and more as like a deep run, like it, at the very at the best case scenario to me right now, getting an NFC Championship berth. I can't I can't say if I label them as the as the Super Bowl pick because Philadelphia still exists, and good God, that roster is just that well rounded. Um, plus, Howie Roseman's an insanely good GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just uh, don't see that yet, but I do think that they make. I do think at worst you see them get to the divisional and maybe they get upset there. But like, I don't buy that they'll be like a one and done, like in the wild card or something like that. Guys, holy! We are a resilient team, gentlemen. We are resilient. We're going to find a way to win. They freaking came out and they fought us, but we fought harder. And we went and got the win. That's outstanding. That's division win number two. I got one game ball. Oh! All right, hey, listen. To make the rally that we did and to come back, man, we needed some stops. We get the stops. Offense, we go down, we strike. We need another stop, we get the stop. Hutch, where you at, brother? <laughs> Son of a bitch. How do you, how, how can you not like playing or how can you not like the guy? Like it's, it's so hard to be a Dan. I don't know anyone that's a Dan Campbell hater because he's so likable. I know. And the Texas A&M thing came open and he played there and they asked, did you see that? They asked him about it and he said, yeah, he just straight up denied it. I was like, I don't even know where this came from, but he was like, no, like the first person to say, I'm not in on it. Well, he was, they asked him, they were like, have you been contacted? And all he said was maybe. And then he was talking about how much he loved Texas A&M. He goes, I want to help them any way I can, except coaching. <laughs> He's like, I, I, besides coaching, I don't think he could coach college kids. I think he is a adult-driven uh, coach. And been, like, I mean, he's been pro-minded all his career anyway, so it'd be a little. I think it'd be a little hard, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I just don't get. My thing was, I don't understand the connection unless it's like, well. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what the connection is with Texas A&M. Why Dan Campbell came up first? Well, because he played. On that, he played there. Oh, that's that, that was maybe okay. So that was the only thing I was maybe thinking. He played college ball there, and um, so they were talking about like, oh, if you need a coach that's going to turn around a program and, and like be this positive thing, like Dan Campbell, like come on, you're showing that you can do in the NFL. Come here, and I saw that, and I said, no, he's not going to do that. Hey, I appreciate this comment though from. George. Nice. I hope I'm for coach's sake. I continue Steve as I go by here. Of course I, uh, yeah, I go. I definitely say we are hoping this channel for his sake grows. (laughs) Well, it keeps growing as it has been. Well, if I take two months off, it doesn't help. Well, I know it's the way of the world, but look, look, life comes first, man. That's how it always goes. You're a busy guy. People realize this. You are a cut like the coach element of you. 
It is all encompassing in several it's sports. Real. It's not just football. It is real. This is a real thing. This man is a coach in three sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'm I, like in my head, I'm like track and field. No, he doesn't do track and field. It's three. So <laughs> it's three. This guy's busy. He's got oh, yeah. stuff to do. It's going to kill me one day. I have to give up one eventually. Mm. Um, but I think that covered it all. Um, Bears suck. We'll see if there's any firings. People kept saying leave them in Detroit, and I was like, yeah, maybe leave you should. Michigan. Leave them in Michigan, swap them with Jim. <laughs> Just take Jim home with you. We should have. He's probably there. He can't do he anything. Probably, he's probably looking. Maybe he's talking with Kevin Warren right now. They're at the dinner in uh, Ann Arbor, just down the way. I'm okay with that. I'm bursting. I don't okay know if that's that. the case, but I mean, he's suspended for the rest of the regular season, so you might as well. You know, you got time. Oh, he can he can go to practice. He just can't be at the game. Right. I mean, he he can exactly like they were saying last weekend. He can sit. He was sitting at his hotel room watching the game from his hotel in Maryland. Yeah, he can do it. It's weird. He can do everything, but walk into the stadium. It's so weird. He can be at the practice. He can be at the hotel with them. He can do whatever. He just can't walk into the stadium. And I was like, okay, whatever. Mm. Come to Chicago, my guy. Let's let's talk. I'm on board with it. I'm on board with him or Lovey Smith. Bring them one of them back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm laughing because could you imagine? Like, I'm just laughing at the full circle of it. Like all the years of just like stress. It, all to go back to the third winningest coach in Bears history. And it just, I was saying, bring Papa home. Just bring Big Papa bring back. Papa home. <laughs> he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Mike Dicka, you might be might be way older than than you were once before. But we need you right now, buddy. Hey, just don't bring Ron Turner back. Just don't do that. <laughs> Dear God, no! I don't need to see that man in the building ever again. Ron Rivera is back as DC, though. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, he's struggling right now too. He's gonna get. Fired. I mean, yeah, he's. Uh, Talk about hot seat candidates. He's actually got more of a hot seat discussion around him than Matt, and that's probably because Washington had more aspirations than Chicago. And he has a, a resume, like that too. Better, you're a, when you go to the Super Bowl one time, you do get at least an extra nugget onto your uh, resume. Yeah, I'm gonna say he has a resume to go about it, or I guess twice if you count the '06 run. But you know what I mean, right? All right. Well, that'll wrap up. I think this bear down segment of the coach steve show like and subscribe as always uh it's been like two months since i've been on here hit that subscribe button down there for him click that bell for him give me support yeah i'll be back we'll be back zach thanks for coming here like and subscribe thanks everybody for watching or listening and we will see you guys on the next one